This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised. It was in the early 1900s that a doctor and a teacher had an illicit affair, which would ultimately end in tragedy. But for who? The husband, the wife, or the mistress? This is Apple for the Teacher, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Anna Thomas. Today's episode is called The Spinster. The affair would end in murder. What happened? For this story, we go back more than a century ago to the late 1800s, to the state of Wisconsin in the US. A baby girl named Agnes was born in 1878. Her father was a successful dentist, but both of her parents were described by others as exhibiting odd and even obsessive behaviours. They were said to be nervous, irritable and prone to unreasonable outbursts. Her father was obsessed with locking and unlocking doors and other such compulsions. But this type of behaviour was also observed in the previous generations of the family, with a grandmother having been admitted to an insane hospital. Agnes completed school and then studied to be a teacher and began teaching in a primary school and then later in a high school. Throughout her 20s, she continued to pursue her studies, gaining a teaching degree and degrees in philosophy, medieval history, Latin, French and German. She was described by many as being quick-tempered and somewhat morose, however was highly regarded as a teacher, so much so that she received a grant to study teaching and educational methods in England, Scotland and Holland. She then prepared a report on her findings to the superintendent of the Milwaukee schools. So, as seen, Agnes was a very intelligent and career-orientated woman, which was certainly not common in the early 1900s. It was then when she was in her early 30s that she met a married couple named Dr. David Roberts and his wife Mary. He was a veterinarian and also a wealthy cattle breeder. They struck up a friendship and saw each other socially. Agnes mentioned that as part of her teaching job, she was required to teach agriculture, of which she knew very little, and he offered to assist her, as this was a subject that he had much knowledge and experience of. The doctor recognised that Agnes was an intelligent woman, and he thought that she had the necessary skills to help him with a cattle book that he was writing. So he asked her if she would be willing to help proofread the manuscript and she was delighted to assist. They then met regularly, working on the book together and a close relationship soon developed between the two of them, with the doctor ultimately expressing a desire for their relationship to go beyond just acquaintances. Agnes was taken aback as he was married, but he explained to her that his marriage was loveless and had been so for a long time. He told her that he had plans to end the marriage. While Agnes was hesitant, she however was swept away with his charm and persistence, and they began an affair. They would go out of town together, and she would be treated to nice dinners, the theatre, and all that wealth and status could provide. 
By this time, she had not been married, so she was viewed at that time as a spinster. Her relationship with the doctor had been her first, as she had been a virgin. Their affair continued for month after month, and it was clear that their relationship had gone beyond a casual fling, and they developed deep feelings for one another, so much so that Agnes urged the doctor to end his marriage officially so that they could be together. He kept assuring her that he would do this, but as time progressed, they had many quarrels over the matter, and the relationship became on again and off again. She eventually became more and more frustrated, even suicidal. Then one day she was at her wit's end, pulling a gun on the doctor and giving him an ultimatum. She made him place his hand on a Bible and swear that he would tell his wife of their affair. She also said she had written a letter to his wife Mary, telling her the whole truth and that she would give it to her if he didn't agree to tell her everything. So he agreed he would. However, his wife Mary already had her suspicions that her husband was not being faithful. It was a small town and so rumours had been circulating. So she confronted her husband but he just brushed it off, saying the woman was just a lonely spinster who had become infatuated with him. He said she was stalking him and harassing him to leave his wife to be with her. He just described her as a delusional woman. So Mary said she would talk to the woman and sort her out. But he insisted that this wasn't necessary, that she would just eventually get the message and give up. However, Mary wanted to end the matter once and for all, and she went to Agnes's residence to confront her about pursuing her husband. She said to Agnes, quote, You have been chasing him around until he did not know what to do with himself. He told me that he can't get away from you because you are following him everywhere calling him up and making life miserable for him. Whenever I say anything about you, he always makes fun of you. What can you expect when you chase after a married man? You think the doctor is in love with you, but you are not the kind of woman for him to fall in love with. He likes nifty dresses. Everyone thinks you are smart in schoolwork, but you do not know much else. And I do not think much of his taste when he picked out a sickly, old maid like you. You will have to get out of town. I will go to the school board and get them to put you out. But Agnes insisted that he loved her. Mary, however, continued to dispute this, saying he didn't really love her and that her husband was nothing more than a womanizer. And she knew this because she had been aware that he had had other affairs. So Mary described Agnes as just another one of his conquerings. But Agnes protested, saying their relationship was real and that she had letters from him that proved that he loved her. She then left the room to fetch them. While she was getting the letters, Mary phoned her husband, telling him to come to the house immediately. She then returned with a bundle of letters tied in a blue ribbon. She also showed Mary a receipt from a hotel, which had the names Robert Davis and wife on it, clearly false names, and signed in her husband's distinctive handwriting. Mary then began using vulgar language towards Agnes, and that's when Agnes reached into her pocket and retrieved a pistol, aiming it at her and firing. 
Mary stumbled and tried to retreat, but Agnes followed her and shot her a second time, and she then collapsed to the floor. Meanwhile, Dr. Roberts arrived at the house after getting the call from Mary, but before he even entered, he heard a gunshot. Upon entering the house, he saw his wife motionless on the floor. He then immediately fled the house to call a doctor. When the doctor arrived at the house, but before entering, they both heard a gunshot, which they didn't know at the time had been Agnes shooting herself. The doctor saw Mary on the floor and, after examining her, proclaimed her to be dead. It was then that he saw Agnes at the top of the stairs with a gun in her hand and blood on her clothing. Seeing that she was bleeding, he started up the stairs, but she told him not to proceed. He said he needed to attend to her wounds, but she refused. She asked about Mrs. Roberts, and he said she was dead. Her response was, Oh, doctor, I am sorry. I did not mean to do it. While bleeding on the stairs, Agnes told the doctor she wanted him to write a letter to her father, and this is what she said. Quote, Dr. Roberts had told me again and again that he loved me and that he cared for no one but me. He and his wife have never cared for one another and he promised me that he would tell her. He swore on the Bible. I told him that if he didn't care for me, that we could drop it all, that the one dishonorable thing we were doing was deceiving her. I called him just before Mrs. Roberts came. He said over the telephone, that he had told her he cared for me. She came over and said to me that I had been chasing him to death and that I was the damnedest fool that ever lived. She called me every name, called me such awful things. She then went on to tell her father what she wanted done with all of her possessions after she died. After writing the letter, the doctor asked again to attend to her wounds, but Agnes told him no. That she wanted to die. She then pointed to the bloodstain on her chest and asked the doctor whether she was shot in the heart, but he replied no, that the wound was too low. She then told the doctor she wanted to be left alone and she retreated back into her room. It was then that he heard another shot and Agnes then reappeared on the stairs and said, now you can come up here. She was then laid on a stretcher and said, I love him and he is a coward. He left me to suffer. It is so strange, but I love him still. When asked why she shot Mary, she replied that she had called her such awful names. By this time, the police had arrived and after she was taken to hospital, they searched her room and found a bloody sheet of paper on her dresser, which said, quote, The cause of this is a man who said he loved me. And they also found the words, I love you. On the other side was written, I have spoiled it all. I loved him so, God forgive me. In the hospital, Agnes wasn't expected to survive, but slowly recovered from the two gunshot wounds that she had inflicted herself. When questioned by the police, she was asked why she shot Mrs. Roberts. and She replied, quote, because she called me such awful names. I can see how I shot her, but I cannot understand how I was so cool and deliberate. 
When asked if the doctor had committed adultery with her, she replied yes. When the news of the tragic events filtered into the community, her actions resulted in much condemnation. But there were others who had the opposite view, that it was the adulterous husband who was to blame. She received countless letters from people expressing their sympathy for her plight and even some marriage proposals. One woman wrote the following in a letter to her, quote, I think that brainy women are never good judges of men. I am not especially brainy, but I always pick out someone like that, a puny cavalier who lets me do all the difficult things while he just takes and takes and takes. Women are educated today in every way except how to choose a man. The murder of Mary Roberts by another woman had shocked the community and was widely reported in the media. So when the trial arrived, there was a crowd at the entrance to the court building. When Agnes's father arrived, he was surrounded by reporters and said the following to them, quote, They'll never convict my girl, never. The man is the one to blame. Would my girl kill anyone if she were not insane? No, my girl could not have done it. Surely it is the man who is to blame. So the trial commenced with the prosecution intending to show that Agnes killed Mary intentionally and that therefore it was first degree murder. Agnes pleaded not guilty by reason of temporary insanity. So here is the testimony that Dr. Roberts provided when he was put onto the witness stand. He described Agnes as a temptress who tried to seduce him the very first time they met alone to work on the book. Upon hearing this, Agnes stood up and called out, that is not true. She then began sobbing while embracing her father. He went on to say that she wore him down and used threats of exposure if he didn't give in to her. Here is his recollection of the conversation they had during the very first meeting that they had to work on the book. Quote, during our conversation, she asked me if I loved her. I said, Agnes, I honour you and respect you. Well, she said, I don't care to be honoured or respected. There are other things that I want. She says, I want you to take me to Chicago for a good time. I said, you would have a lot of respect for a married man that would take you to Chicago for a good time. And she said, other people do these things. I don't see why we can't. He was able to provide a number of letters that Agnes had written to him, and here is one, quote, I am so lonesome for you. I wonder if you thought as much of me as I have of you today. It was nice of you to call me today. I just loved you for it. I'm just thinking of you every second and trying to imagine you are here with your dear arms about me and your lips on mine. Oh, my darling, I love you. I'll write you tomorrow, my sweet darling. The court was then presented with the letter that Agnes had written to Mary about their affair, which hadn't been given to her due to her ultimatum. The letter read as follows, quote, It has been a desire for me for a long time to tell you frankly about the state of affairs between Dr. Roberts and myself. I have asked him repeatedly to tell you the whole story but you seem to have terrorised him to a pitiful degree. 
you must have known for many years that there did not exist between your husband and yourself a bond of honest confidence that is essential if the high standards of marriage be upheld. You must have known for a long time that your husband's affections had passed from you, that he cared for someone else supremely. That is sufficient annulment of any marriage now that was ever given. Had you gone to him and said frankly, if you do not care for me alone, take freedom, live your life in the way that will give you the most happiness and let me go my way. If you had given him this opportunity of choice and he had said that he wanted you alone, then you would have given him the chance to play the part of an honest man. But you have not been fair. You have threatened him until, rather than face certain results that he feared, he had lied and lied, played the hypocrite and coward until he has no moral fibre left. That is the way you so-called moral women do things. Your husband assured me the first time that I ever talked to him that his home life was most unsatisfactory, that there was not one vestige of love between you, that he felt he had been cheated. He told me your sexual relations were the primary cause of all the trouble, that she is as sterile as a mule. I asked him why he did not ask for his freedom, and he said you were so madly jealous that you would not do so, that you threatened to commit suicide. Rather than have things disagreeable, he would lie. Better to lie a little than to suffer much. I believed that we have done nothing wrong because we both have cared for one another more than for anyone else in the world. I have felt that our only sin was the underhandedness of it all. If I had not cared supremely for the man and have been sure that he cared for me only, I should never have done this thing. I have often wondered if you have really cared. It seemed to me that if you really loved your husband unselfishly, you would want him to be happy, even if it were a sacrifice to you in some respects. It is not unheard of for a husband or a wife to give up voluntarily the mate whose love had been lost. When I started this, I did not mean to blame you, but I cannot help feeling rather bitter for the way in which your sanctimonious life, your selfishness, has brought to me. He has told me that it was I who had his affection. I have begged him to go to you and tell you the situation frankly, for I felt that you were a big enough woman to desire his happiness. Wouldn't it have been much simpler if, instead of intimidating your husband, you had faced matters frankly and squarely and given him his freedom when you lost his confidence and all? It is he who has been made not truthful, and I who have lost my one and only reputation that you might keep your throne. It really isn't quite fair, is it? After the letter was read out in the court, the doctor was asked if he had ever said anything disparaging about his wife or that he was unsatisfied in their marriage and he said no. He was also asked if he had told Agnes that he would divorce and marry her and he replied again no. Again, Agnes broke down. When giving her testimony, 
Agnes stated that it was the doctor who had pursued her from the beginning and that he had time and time again expressed his deep love for her and that he wanted them to be together. But as the affair progressed, as much as she demanded it, he would not reveal the truth to his wife. She admitted to growing increasingly in despair and pulling the gun on him, although she said she never intended to actually shoot him. She then recounted the events that led up to the shooting, how Mary had confronted her and called her all sorts of disparaging names. She told her she had proof that their affair was mutual and went upstairs to collect the letters. She recalled, quote, I went upstairs for his letters, intending to kill myself. I never had a thought of taking her life, never, never, never. The next I remember was being in my room. I recall writing something and trying to get the revolver to work. I don't remember shooting myself. Then I remember talking to Dr. Davis at the head of the stairs. I asked him to go away two or three times so that I could shoot myself. I tried, then my nerves would leave me. Finally, I put the second bullet through my body. I thought I was dying and they carried me away. The last thing I remember was Mrs. Roberts saying to me that I was nothing but an old bitch running around town looking for a bulldog, that I was a low-lived whore. So in her testimony, Agnes stated that she didn't remember the actual shooting, that she must have been unconscious or had blacked out. Next, the police who attended the crime scene provided their testimony. After Agnes had been taken to hospital, they searched her room upstairs and found bullet cartridges on her desk and two empty shells, which accounted for when she shot herself twice. There was also blood on the desk and various letters. And here is one letter that was found that she had written, quote, It is a bit hard to write this for the majority of folk who don't care for me and who have been so active in criticising me. I have no explanation. I should have known better than to play with fire. I should have known that men have one code of honour for the women they love and another for the women to whom they are married. I have had the theory that love between man and woman was stronger than all the legal ceremonies in the world. When that was lacking, there was no sanctity in marriage. I still believe so. But the man in this case has been too much of a coward to face his wife and to tell her the truth. He has never been true to her. I am sorry, sorry, sorry that this has happened. Yet, I would rather have had this experience, painful as it has been, than to have gone through life without knowing what love can mean. I can't honestly feel that I have been sinful. We have cared as much for one another as a man and woman can. The only treason has been in not telling Mrs. Roberts. I have always wanted to, but he was afraid. Ah well, it will soon be over. I am not afraid. I hope dear father doesn't take this too hard. I want him to forgive me now. I just can't live as I have been living these last few weeks. I have been almost crazed with heartache and humiliation. She also had a letter explaining 
what she wanted done with her estate and how she wanted to be buried. So this does sound like she intended to commit suicide. For the prosecution, the fact that Agnes had shot and killed Mary was not in dispute, as she had confessed. However, they needed to prove that it was planned and not, as the defence claimed, that it was temporary insanity. The doctor who had first been at the scene made the following statement, quote, I have had 15 years experience in the examination and treatment of insanity. Agnes did not show anything that indicated melancholia of any grade or degree. Her attitude and answers and conversation was apparently rational. Basing my opinion on what I observed and heard her say, she was, in my opinion, sane. However, the defence had their own psychiatrists evaluate Agnes and they came to the opposite conclusion, that in their opinion she was insane. Agnes's wish to commit suicide was also discussed in the context of sanity, with another doctor saying, quote, Normal minds cling to life, but normal minds may wish to die also. A sane person could contemplate suicide with composure. I think from what I have heard here and my understanding of insanity that she was capable of judging the nature and the quality of her act. Suicide on the part of a sane person is vastly more infrequent than its occurrence in the insane. However, the defence argued that her ancestry led her to inherit mental illness. They provided statements from people who knew her parents, who concurred regarding their rather odd behaviour. A psychiatrist stated, quote, I would not expect that insane ancestry necessarily are going to produce insanity in the children or grandchildren. There was no doubt that she committed the murder, but the question was, with what intent did she kill her? Agnes said she was not angry, that it was not done in the heat of passion, but she said that she was unconscious at the time. The prosecution argued there was intent as she went upstairs to retrieve the gun and then she shot Mary twice. And there was also blood in two locations. The first, where she was first shot, then she staggered away and was pursued by Agnes and shot again, which shows that she had intent to kill her. They argued the abuse she got from the wife did not justify being killed. Quote, no amount of personal language or abuse used by Mrs. Roberts could excuse or justify her in shooting her. It is a familiar principle of law that you cannot repel what we call a verbal assault by actual assault. A man cannot enforce the law in his own case. The prosecution also made reference to a contradiction in Agnes's evidence. As already mentioned, she had stated that she went upstairs to get the letters the doctor had written to her. However, she contradicted herself when saying the following in court, quote, We wrote often, but I have destroyed his letters. I had promised him that I would destroy every letter that he wrote me, and he promised to do the same. The prosecution also made reference to the police investigation 
and that they had made a very interesting discovery. They did manage to find the letters that she had supposedly thrown away. However, they were found at the bottom of a drawer and had other items on top, as if they had been there undisturbed. There was also no blood on the letters. If she had taken them downstairs, one would presume some blood may have been on them. So the prosecution asserted that she had not brought them down to show Mary, as she had claimed, and had only gone to retrieve the gun. The defence then made their final summary in the case as follows, pinning the blame on Dr. Roberts for Agnes's actions. Quote, the girl fell under his sinister influence. She became, up to a certain point, the woman malleable, the putty in his hands. The thing that she did was wrong. Of course it was wrong. But she did the thing that thousands of women during the centuries have done before because they were women and because they were worked upon, moulded, made, remade, pulled to pieces and put together again by a man who is stronger than woman. After all the evidence and testimony was completed, the judge made his final statement before the jury was to retire. He said, quote, Keep in mind that the condition which gives immunity from punishment is a mental, not a moral condition. Perverted affections, moral feelings or sentiments, unaccompanied by mental disturbance, furnish no excuse for a criminal act. Even if you should find that Dr. Roberts is more to be blamed than the accused for the relations that grew up and existed between them, it would furnish no excuse or justification for taking the life of Mrs. Roberts. After the deliberations, Agnes was found guilty of second-degree murder and upon hearing this, she lunged at the district attorney, choking him and screaming, he lied, he lied my life away. She was then restrained and led out of the court and had to be administered medication to calm her down. While the nurse was attending to her, she shouted, I love him, I love him, bring him here, I want him, oh God, how I love him, let him kiss me, how my heart cries for him, I don't want to live. When the media reported on her ramblings in the court, Dr. Roberts was reported as saying, quote, now you understand what I have stood from this woman. Before the judge announced the sentence, he made the following statement, quote, Dr. Roberts is in some ways more blamable than yourself. One sincere regret I have is that I cannot mete out to him the punishment he deserves, but so far as in my power lies, I shall try to see that he gets that punishment. You and Dr. Roberts assailed society at its most vulnerable point, the home. You attacked Mrs. Roberts secretly and when she could not defend that home. Neither of you had any right to do anything to deprive Mrs. Roberts of those rights to which she became entitled when she became his wife. You were mature and knew much of life. You had no right to yield to his entreaties and pleadings. So she was ultimately given a sentence of 19 years in prison and after hearing this she was seen to become faint and passed out but was caught by those near her 
before she hit the ground. In separate court proceedings, Dr. Roberts was charged with unlawful intimacy. He received a one-year sentence on statutory charges for registering in a hotel under the false names of Mr. and Mrs. Robert Davies. So, Agnes started serving her prison term, but due to ill health, she was transferred to a sanitarium, and after only serving three years, she was given a pardon. The governor wrote, quote, I cannot condone her offence, neither can I return her to prison, where her condition would become serious and eventually have a fatal termination. Therefore, she is conditionally released, the condition being that she conduct herself in a manner compatible with good citizenship. It was then found that after being released, she went by the name of Mrs. Agnes Brown, although no one knew the identity of her supposed new husband. Agnes then died in 1930, 10 years after being pardoned at the age of 52. Mr. Brown, her alleged husband, failed to turn up at her funeral. So what happened to Dr. Roberts? After serving time in prison, he went on to marry a second time, but then was charged with making false and fraudulent claims on his patent medicines and was fined $1,950. After his second wife died, he went on to marry a third time, but then divorced to marry a fourth time. He was 83 and she was 33. He said, quote, it's no crime to admire women. More than 50 women have told me they love me, but I'll have to tell all the rest. Goodbye, girls. I'm through. He then died at the age of 88. So here are my thoughts on this story. So there was much debate about who pursued who, but to my mind, yes, he pursued her, and she was naive in such matters of relationships and intimacy and so he took advantage of her. Despite being a woman in her 30s and very educated, she really did sound more like an adolescent. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who pursued who, they voluntarily had the affair, and it had gone on for two years. After what she found out had happened, Mary was totally justified in going to confront Agnes. But really, we only have Agnes's word about what happened between them. Did she really call her awful names? I have no doubt that she did, but perhaps it wasn't as dramatic as Agnes described it to be. And I do not believe that she temporarily blacked out and couldn't remember what she did. She remembered everything. As she didn't know that Mary was coming to see her, she hadn't planned the murder. It just happened in that particular circumstance. But who knows, as she obviously owned a gun, that she may have had plans to kill her but on that day, it just happened totally in the heat of the moment. But how miraculous was it that she didn't die from the two gunshot wounds? She may have traumatized the whole incident, but there was no doubt that she had shot herself twice somewhere on the torso. So did she deliberately aim lower than her heart just to wound herself? Or did she really want to kill herself? The affair had gone on for two years. So it makes me wonder, what exactly did he feel about her? To be with someone for that long, there has to be some feelings. It can't all be about sex, can it? Yes, the sex would have been great at the start, but what kept him with her all of that time? He must have had 
more feelings than he admitted to. But as in so many cases, it's the victim that gets totally forgotten, and this cannot be more true for Mary. I could not find any photos of her or much information about her. All I could find was a short mention in the press which said that they had been together for 20 years and she was known to be engaged in church activities and had been highly regarded. She was described as, quote, an exceedingly modest and retiring person devoted to her home and social duties that came her way, preferring to give time to charities and her husband's affairs. However, when I went to the Find a Grave website, I did manage to find her there and there is a photo of her. So if you'd like to leave her a message, her full name is Mary A. Newman Roberts. So as in keeping with all of the stories that I present, Agnes wasn't her actual name, so I didn't actually use her real name. And now let's preview the next episode. It's called Taliban Takeover. The country of Afghanistan descended into chaos. What happened? And to end this episode, I will leave you with this quote. Cheating on your spouse is like throwing away a diamond and picking up fool's gold. Bye for now and remember to be a good apple.